today on CityCast Chicago. I've got some amazing Chicago voices in the building with me to look back on another week in the tundra. WTTW correspondent Angel Ito and Chicago Sun-Times education reporter Nader Issa. It's Friday, January 21st. I'm Jacoby Cochran, and this is CityCast Chicago. You're really good at your job, and I just do little arts coverage, so it's like... (laughs) I'm the print journalist here. I don't know what you're nervous about. I have arts reporter Angel Ito from WTTW and from the Chicago Sun-Times education reporter Nader Issa. Welcome to CityCast Chicago. Appreciate you guys having us. Thank you so much. Before we jump into it, a question I had earlier um, is how many tabs do you usually have open on your computer uh, during the day? Uh, Nader told me he had closed a bunch, but I'm going to get his estimate. During a given time during the workday, how many tabs is your computer fighting for its life to keep open? I usually have like three to five windows open, and then each window has about five to seven to 10 tabs. So right now I've got four tabs open or four windows open. I'm seeing 12 tabs on just one window. So it's a, it's a busy Thursday, clearly. <laughs> For sure. And Nader, at a given point, how many windows, how many tabs you got open? I'd say the average is around 30. I, a, a couple of weeks ago, my my laptop was fighting for its life. I had like 65, <laughs> 70 open. And I was like, why is it being so slow? Why is it freezing a ton? And then I was like, oh, because there's four windows open with like a total of 70 tabs. So mm-hmm. my, my favorite's when when you close one of the windows and, and you go to recover it. And it's like, do you want to reopen f- these 56 tabs? I'm like, I sure do. <laughs> No, I feel that. And uh, Angel, I love how you broke it down to tabs and windows because, you know, I have right now I got six desktops open. Each of those desktops has two windows open and each of those windows has about 10 tabs because throughout the day, obviously, I'm going through WTTW, the Sun-Times, the Tribune, uh, ABC, the Tribe, CBS, Chalkbeat, Southside Weekly, Injustice Watch, ABC, NBC, Sports Chicago. Crane Chicago business. And so my computer every day is just like, can you just give me like a break? Can you just chill out for like a couple seconds uh, and we can get back to it. Um, but again, I appreciate y'all with all of those tabs. One of them right now being y'all recording with City Cash Chicago. Um, so let's jump into the stories from the week. And we're going to start. Uh, Nader, I'm going to kick it off with you. What was a story from this week uh, that really grabbed your attention? Just given the fact that we've all been living through a pandemic the past couple of years, um, my top story of the week is our Omicron wave reaching a peak. Um, and obviously, it, it, there's still there's still a lot more suffering to come. Um, cases are still really high. Positivity rates high. Hospitalizations are high. There's going to be a lot more people to get sick. Um, but the fact that we've reached this peak and you can sort of start to maybe possibly see a light at the end of the tunnel, I think is is big news. And anytime we're in a tough wave like we were or are um, and, and you start to see a turnaround, it's good news. So to me, that's that's the biggest piece of news and should have a huge impact on our lives hopefully soon. 
Yeah, man, following COVID news is one of the most bittersweet, emotional roller coaster experiences uh, that you can go to. Because, you know, at one point, I believe between on December 28th, we hit our high of 8,553 cases a day in Chicago. And even though we're still over, I believe, in the 3,900, 4,000 range, getting that, cutting that in half, dropping the positivity rate from 20% down to 12% where we are now um, is good news. And our hope is that we don't find that swing again because, Andrew, I know you can feel this. It, it feels like we've had this before. We've had this. Well, here is the Christmas surge or here is the summer surge. Here is the we're going to let people go out to concert surge. Uh, and then a few months or a few weeks later, it's like, uh, you know, put your mask on, take your ass back inside. Uh, that that back and forth is, is is emotional, but yeah, hopefully that we've come down on off this Omicron peak. But it may not be the last Loki we see. It may not be the last variant uh, we got to deal with. So, uh, Angel, you know, Doctor Allison Arwoody spoke on Wednesday uh, or on Tuesday, as she has done every week throughout the pandemic to offer news. You know, you know, how are you dealing with? The, the, the constant like onslaught of COVID news? I am not. <laughs> that is my genuine answer. I feel like um, every day is a, is a, is a, not a struggle, but it's like every, you really have to take each day, like day by day and just do what you can to be productive and feel supported and kind of just like have your support system and do what you can. But I would say that it's it's just really challenging. Um, but I would say the biggest, the biggest and most important thing is to recognize that your mental health is a priority and you need to keep it a priority, especially when it's getting dark at like three o'clock in the afternoon. I mean, that <laughs> is very depressing. I'm so tired of it. So um, I've been like me personally, like I love running in the winter. So I was like running this morning. I just layer up. Okay. I throw on my like, um, what are those earmuffs? And I like go out with my dog and it's like really cold. My nose is running, but it just feels so good like that shock of the coldness like on my skin um that's personally a way that i've been dealing with um you know just like the latest numbers and winter depression in the city so i'm not really like athletic also so hopefully that encourages people because i I usually (laughs) run like we actually did an episode on this oh really we did an episode on people who like to run in the winter and and how that helps them how they get how they pushed through the 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 winter blues, the winter depression, and, and running was one of the things they suggested. Shout out to Aaron, uh, one of our, our CityCast listeners. Yes, literally, like I will not run in the summer. I only run in the winter, and I need to have on a coat and gloves and at least two sweatshirts. And I have my mm-hmm. favorite like running shoes that I wear that are perfect, you know, for getting through the snow and the ice. So. Hmm. Hey, speaking of COVID news, uh, this week, the, the government launched the website, the federal government launched the website that allows people to uh, order up to four tests, I believe, per household or per address. I know that's caused a lot of controversy back and forth because, you know, especially in Chicago, we know like how many people live in a household or, or the living situation changes from from house to house, from apartment to apartment. Um, and so how the federal government two years into the pandemic finally getting tests out to the mass public is a good thing, but there always is a caveat. Um, Angel, what was a top story that you were paying attention to this week? Um, it's definitely kind of a sadder story, but the shooting of 15-year-old Caleb Westbrooks in Westtown um, earlier this mm-hmm. week 
I know that we experienced a lot of gun violence in Chicago, but just that day I had happened to be right in the area leaving like a meeting with a young group of journalists, like emerging journalists that were just, um, I was kind of like talking with them, answering their questions, giving them hindsight on how to move forward in their careers. And the news came down about that shooting just like around the same time that I was leaving there. And and that that just really hit me. It was just kind of a very, very, very harsh reality for me to be in a space with students that were his age and then to just hear about mm-hmm. another shooting um, and to be 15 years old and to think about all that's going on with CPS and um, the positionality that like our young students are in right now in terms of like education and just like getting through the day to day. And I just couldn't help but think like, had CPS been in a, I know like we're in kind of a more resolved state, but had, you know, CPS been in a better state, could that outcome have been different? I saw the Caleb Westbrook uh, shooting from Quinn Myers over at Block Club Chicago. Mm-hmm. Um, and we have to read a lot of these stories, unfortunately. This school year, we've had to read about shootings at uh, out, outside of Kenwood and near Simeon. Another reason that that was just really a big deal for me is I'm a Hyde Park resident and I know that there's been a lot of not necessarily uptick in crime, but it's getting a lot of more publicity of the crime that exists here. Um, And so that just is like very disheartening for me as well, like growing up here. And I feel like it, it hasn't gotten worse, but... It's suddenly it's just like, oh, I'm I'm at the Kilwins and then boom, there's a shooting at the Kilwins, like by the Kilwins, like mm-hmm. 30 minutes later. It just seems very like I'm just it's the the contact that I'm personally coming in with these altercations is just a lot closer. And so it's just a lot more prevalent, um, I think, in my mind. Nader, as somebody who covers CPS closely and, and, and sees these stories when 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 children are, are impacted by gun violence, I mean, um, you know, what is it like having to, to to digest and move through and communicate with those families? We actually just put out a story about a month ago um, on this exact topic on, on like school communities dealing with trauma after a student is killed. Um, and I, I spent like a year and a half talking to different school communities, families, parents, principals, school clerks, just anyone, anyone at schools where um, tragedies have happened. And, and like, it's, it's tough, especially during COVID. Like there was one school, um, uh, Natalia Wallace, she was a, a 14 or 15 year old girl. She was killed um, in the summer of 2020, right around 4th of July. Mm. And because COVID um, and, and schools were closed coming back that fall, the school couldn't have any type of memorial, anything to honor her until the next spring, spring 2021. And I, I just, I, I went to that memorial and like, it's, it's, it's heartbreaking and weird and whatever words you want to use, like there's, there's little kids, um, there's little kids sort of like mourning a friend's death 10 months later because they couldn't during COVID. And it's I mean it's it's heartbreaking and a classmate being there one day and not the next mm-hmm. yeah I mean it, it it weighs a lot on kids and I just um like the Simeon shootings you mentioned the the um two boys who were killed the same day in separate shootings mm. like 
kids over there. One of the shootings happened at this plaza by a uh, like a Chase Bank right around the corner from the school. And kids don't walk over there anymore because they're they're it just brings back bad memories or they don't like go outside and, and wait outside the school for their rides. They'll wait inside until the bus comes or until their parents come. Mm. And so, it, I mean, it, it has a lasting impact. We see the headlines and the TV cameras and stuff when when shootings happen, but all of the rest of it lingers on for months and, and years. It's, it's never not mm. tough for kids. I'm definitely going to link that. A report you all put out at the end of December um, in our show notes. Um, Chicago lost 57 school-aged children um, in 2021. Um, Wow. Man, there's never a fucking way to transition out of that. Mm -mm. It just hurts and pushes you down. Um, What was a story that you thought uh, this week deserved more attention? You want more people to be paying attention to it uh, as we move forward? So... I, I was actually going to say the, um, the, you're talking about the underlooked story. I was going to mm-hmm. say, um, I was going to say the shooting that Angel mentioned. Um, oh, oh man. We'll, we'll pivot. <laughs> um, block, we'll pivot to another Black Club story. Kelly Bauer over there has been writing about this. Um, that was one like of my, that COVID. was one of my stories. Yeah, this, this COVID, um, it's called the Center for COVID Control. It's this like pop-up COVID testing site that's all over. And when I saw this guy's TikTok comments, basically it's like they're like giving fake tests or tests that just come up negative when they're positive, just super shady stuff. And then this guy's bragging on TikTok about like buying Lambos with COVID money. Mm -hmm. And I mean, it's just, it's, they've, they just put out a new story Block Club did this morning um, this place got $124 million from the feds mm. while telling workers to lie about results. And then they were, they wasted like thousands of tests, just throwing them in the trash. Mm-hmm. And so yeah, I saw they wasted up, what was it? 40,000 yeah. COVID tests got thrown out. Um, yeah. I, I said something on Twitter about this boy, Kelly Bauer and block club Chicago really straight up said, if you get caught fucking around with these <laughs> vaccines or these tests, we own your ass, bro. It ain't no shits about it. We coming <laughs> for you. We getting you sued. We trying to get you disbarred. We trying to get your ass up out the hospital. Nigga, you passing out stakes for vaccines? You getting watches? You going to your church? You Now they like, oh, y'all. Y'all just gonna be out here throwing tests away. Y'all out here giving fake results. Not, not, on, not on our watch. People have been like COVID created a system not only in which our inequities like got, you know, even worse in which black folks, brown folks, communities and neighborhoods uh, got hit even harder. But it created an environment where the scammers came out. Yeah, the scams were at an all time high, though, during the pandemic, I must say. Oh, Come on. I, <laughs> I think that's my favorite part. I mean, if there's a silver lining and it's still it's still fucked up and everything, but the the amount of scammers that came out with the PPP loans and then fake tests and and applying for unemployment. I mean, like, it's, it's incredible some of the ways that people got creative with this. <laughs> hey, but they quiet, but they move in silence like lasagna, like Right. <laughs> but then some of them don't and and they're they're scamming and then they're they're I mean I saw a guy do a TV interview after he got a PPP loan and it turned out he was like he didn't actually own a business 
and he like that was part of how they caught it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> no, no. Oh man, it's ridiculous! All these businesses that took the loans that were supposed to like pay their workers, uh, and then they didn't. Like that noodle spot, like them dummies. Like boy, yeah. People was like, "Hey, we just finna get over," it. and the feds was like. I don't know who y'all thought we was, but uh, <laughs> we the number one scammers. So, <laughs> we'll be right back. I'd wanted to to pivot uh, to a category that we haven't really done on the show. But a story that pissed me off this week, mm. uh, and and I was reading about it um, over the weekend as a group of activists were trying to uh, create a, a boycott of CTA, CTA for the next couple of weeks um, as Jason Van Dyke is about to be released from prison. Uh, and if you don't remember who that is, that's the disgraced former CPD officer um, slash murderer who uh, shot and killed Laquan McDonald um, 16 times. Uh, and again, as somebody who does not advocate for incarceration, who believes it, it, it is a failed system, that punitive systems do not offer real rehabilitation or real justice, it leaves me in such a fucked up place because uh, people are out here getting, uh, have, have served 30, 40 life sentences for weed and, and Buddy's finna get out having killed a child on camera mm-hmm. for an entire city to see and then participated in a years-long cover-up. And I don't know how to want anything other than this man to rot mm. uh, for, for the rest of his life. Uh, and, and so I'm left at this, at this terrible conundrum as he's preparing to be released at the top of February um, in which we all know that justice was never served. It was never going to be served. Um, and this is just uh, another uh, slap in the face to his family, again, to all of the, the uh, individuals who live under incarceration and surveillance, um, and, and for whole communities who have been uh, completely uh, wiped out. Um, and and he gets what ultimately accounts for um, really a, a slap on the wrist. And, you know, it, it's something I'll never forgive um the, the the judges the people involved for um but yeah that's just something i want to draw attention to um i'm not sure if the uh how successful the the boycott has been um uh as we're still you know a week or so out um but it is just something that you know that you hate to draw attention to but um it, it's something that royally pissed me off uh, throughout the weekend every time i saw it right you can be against incarceration but how how do you balance the, the fact that we do live in in a country with mass incarceration? How do you balance these two facts that people of color, black people get 30, 40, 50 years? I mean, Vic Mensa's in jail for carrying weed in an airport with mm-hmm. no bond. And then Jason Van Dyke was out free for two years after killing Laquan McDonald. One one year without any charges, and then, and then now he's in prison for three years and three months and however many days. Yeah, and it's it's one of the things like you knew it was coming the whole time, and yet as it approached, and it sort of like sneaks up and smacks you again. Um, um, we gonna move into uh, 
my favorite part of of most shows, which is some good news to get the people through the weekend. I love to leave the listener with a moment of joy, something that you experienced um, this week. Uh, either in your personal life or a story that you read that just brought you so much happiness in a sea of, uh, let's just be real, precarity and, and nonsense. Um, so, Angel, I'm going to kick it with you. Uh, what was your moment of joy? What was your some good news? I'm loving the... To get the people through the weekend. Yes, I'm loving the tunes. Um, so I just did a story yesterday, like shameless plug. Um, I did a story yesterday. Plug away, plug away. Right, you know, I had to. I interviewed this 95-year-old artist his name is Leo Segadin, and he created, he's been painting for like over, like his whole life. He said he started when he was five years old. But anyway, so he's literally 95 years old. He lives in Evanston, and he just, it, it's just really interesting because I interviewed him yesterday. And then last week I interviewed a, a 90 year old woman who just wrote and self-published a children's limerick book. And so it's just very interesting, right? To be like, I'm in the latter year of my twenties. Like I'm about to have my quarter life crisis as I, you know, head to 30. So I'm just very kind of all over the place and figuring out like who I am, like, what do I want to be doing? Right. That sounds like weird to say what do I want to be doing as I do art coverage for TTW but it's like I'm still at the beginning of my journey and so for me it was just very refreshing and encouraging to have conversations with both of them Bendy said something to me which is the the, the older woman and then Leo kind of reiterated the same thing they said that you just need to to be who you are instead of being the person that you want to be so that was just like really encouraging for me as I just continue to navigate the space of like telling stories for TTW and kind of using my positionality as a young black woman in my coverage. Just remembering that you can only be who you are and that's so much easier than trying to be someone else. And it was great to get that advice from two older artists who said, this artist, you know, like 95 year old people like don't care. So he was just cursing the entire interview and it was great. He, I was like, what do you think of these younger artists? He was like, these are, he was like, these new artists, they're not making shit. I don't know what the hell they're talking about. He was like, me, I have something to say. I'm here to make art oh. for myself, to react to things that are happening in my life. And I don't care if, um, if no one responds to them because all I care about is like, how I'm feeling and what I'm creating. And so I feel like you can you can never hear that enough. Um, and so I think for me, that just happened yesterday. So that's still ringing in my head. Um, and that was my feel good moment for this week. Angel, I needed I needed to hear that, though. I really did, especially as you said, coming into the new year. Nader, what was some good news for you this week? So this is almost unfair going after that because that I mean that made us all feel good. <laughs> so my my joy this week came from a much more superficial place. And Jacoby, you have to know you have to know where I'm headed. But um, the Bulls <laughs> broke their four game losing streak, and Alex Caruso oh, is man. back. So very very joyful these days. Uh, I'm gonna ignore all the news that came out this morning about Lonzo Ball's knee, um, and and just bask in this joy for now. <laughs> Mm-hmm. Man, what the, watching that, uh, like we're going from like a, a nine game winning streak, right? We first in the East, shit, we getting a couple games up. Next thing you know, we put four of them things in the trash can. We got our ass whooped a couple times for whatever reason injury, health, blah, blah, blah. Um, I mean, were you were you just like biding your time? Like, you know, we're going to get our boys back. We're going we gonna to get the squad back. We're going to be fine. Or were you getting a little nervous? 
No, I mean, when you have like six rotation guys out, you have to know <laughs> that it's not going to turn out well against Golden State and, and the Nets and Boston, whoever else uh, uh, beat them. But, Memphis yeah, gave mean, it to us. Yeah, Memphis. Memphis, that's right. Um, no, but it, it's good to see. I mean, one thing I've, I've loved to see this this week with the Bulls, too, is Io is gaining confidence. And I, I, he's like his his um, past four games, he's been in the starting lineup. He's averaging 18 points. And you can just tell he's getting confident in his playmaking. Shooting like 70 percent in the last. Yeah. Three games. I mean, it's crazy. His, his, um, he's just so much more confident. He's driving, playmaking, dishing it off. Um, so that's that's all good to see, and it'll help the Bulls down the road, even if it's been a tough week for them. Mm-hmm. Angel, you've been basking in the 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 Bulls' love this year. This uh, season. Just a little bit, you know. I know absolutely nothing about sports, <laughs> but I recognize that name because I think that player is cute. So that's really all I have to <laughs> it. <laughs> I'm like your very typical knows nothing about sports girl. I'm literally doing a story on like this documentary about an athlete i'm like ooh, y'all gonna have to teach me all the phrases because i know nothing but i love i love a game i love a game i think i went to the first game of the season this year mm-hmm. it was against and i don't even want to embarrass myself and guess the team but yeah i went to a game this year so i'm probably gonna go to another one um but yeah i'm a, a big bulls fan um my good news this week um is i am I believe on January 29th, I am moderating a panel with the Better Government Association um, and Alejandra, who put out a report at the end of December uh, about the state of the Cabrini Green uh, land grab. And Alejandra's piece was extremely comprehensive um, in collaboration with folks like Natalie Moore over at WBEZ. Um, And so we're going to be sitting down with a fantastic panel. I'm really excited for that panel. It'll be virtual uh, Saturday at 1.30. That's on January 29th. And so hopefully people will tune in. Uh, We're going to try to bring you a couple of uh, Cabrini Green episodes over the next couple of weeks as well. Um, So that's a story I'm excited to tell, uh, even though it is extremely heartbreaking and uh, again, it's just another example of how um, kind of callous um, the the city of Chicago has and can be. Um, but it but it is a story I'm excited for people to to learn more about. Both of y'all, I appreciate y'all making time of y'all day to join us on CityCast Chicago to shoot the shit from Chicago Sun Times, Nada Issa, and from WTTW uh, out here celebrating herself, Angel Ido. I, I'm so grateful for y'all uh, for sitting down with me. Thank you for having us. Before I let you go, we don't really do like a City Cash Chicago music playlist, but if you've been listening to the show long enough, you could tell we love music. Uh, so before we head into the weekend, I asked my team, what are they listening to? Lead producer Carrie Shepard. On Friday nights, I like to listen to back-to-back music shows, Radio Z at 9 p.m. and Reclaim Soul at 10 p.m. on WBEZ 91.5. Producer Simone Alisea, what you bumping right now? The song I have on repeat is Different Now by Chastity Belt. And the podcast that's in my queue is the Masters of Mayhem bonus series from Hello from the Magic Tavern. Our producer out in Denver, Lizzie Goldsmith, what's in your playlist? I'm pretty basic. I've been listening to the Spotify winter acoustic playlist while I uh, get my tea and uh, get ready for the day. And newsletter writer Sydney Madden. 
I've been listening to the Incandive soundtrack, of course, and I know everyone likes We Don't Talk About Bruno, but I think Surface Pressure deserves more attention. Me, I'm listening to Saba, who comes from the west side of Chicago. His new song, Come My Way, featuring Crazy Bone, is absolutely fire. Check it out. Of course, I gotta thank the people who helped make some of the music here at CityCast Chicago. That's Sam Trump and Mark Greenberg of the Mayfair Workshop. If you want to tell me what Chicago artists you've been listening to recently, feel free to reach out to me on Instagram, Twitter, and I'll drop my phone number in the show notes. I mean, it's the CityCast phone number, but it's kind of mine too. Remember, if you love what you're hearing and reading at CityCast Chicago, don't be selfish. Share us with the people you love. It's enough CityCast Chicago to go around. As always, I appreciate you for listening. I'll talk to you on Monday. Peace. I hope I hope Io's listening because <laughs> Angels has called him cute. So we need we need to grab his attention for that. Maybe tweet that. Please, can uh, we DM this this uh, link to him? <laughs> I, I got you.